Greetings in Jesus' name, and I welcome you to this portion of the service here today. Today I'll be sharing out of Ephesians 6, uh, starting in verse 15, and sharing through the end is the plan, I guess. We will see how far we get. And uh, obviously last Sunday I shared about the armor, or last time I shared about the armor, the first couple pieces of armor there, about truth, breastplate of righteousness. And today I'll be trying to uh, take on the rest of the, the armor of God as Paul lays this out. Um, I realize this is kind of a picture analogy of a soldier, and it's not really about the soldier's armor, but Paul is writing it to give a picture of armor that we as Christians can use in our spiritual walk. It does not mean that one or another is way more important than the other one. I do believe that without complete armor and completely giving our life over to Christ in a daily fight with the devil to continue to walk with Christ, uh, one piece of armor missing will take care of the problem. We will be falling instead of walking in victory. I came across uh, Tony Abram uh, shared this, and I came across this little saying, and it it goes like this. An elderly preacher is reported to have prayed the following prayer each day. O Lord, give me a backbone as big as a saw log and ribs like the large timbers under the church floor. Put iron shoes on my feet and galvanized breeches on my body. Give me a rhinoceros hide for skin and hang up a wagon load of determination in the gable end of my soul. Help me to sign the contract to fight the devil as long as I've got a tooth. And then gum him until I die. And I thought it was very realistic in life that this prayer is that I can fight the good fight every single day. And what really caught my attention is that last he said, and fight until I don't have a tooth, and then I'll gum him till I die. Because that is an analogy, and I believe that as long as we are going to keep truth, first and foremost, and if we are going to live a life of righteousness, and we are going to live a life that is dedicated to Jesus Christ, it really doesn't come to an ending point until we die. I do believe our struggles, we should be overcomers in our, as, we, as we walk this life. Don't get me wrong. But as we are overcomers, the devil will continue to try to trip us. He's not going to give up. It's not a magic wand that, boom, everything is wonderful. I don't even think it's as short as some of the victories that uh, I've been reading to the boys, some of the victories of uh, back in the land of Canaan, you know, where Joshua took 300 men. And they broke their lanterns, and boom, chaos ensued, and they destroyed the Midians like that. You know, that would be kind of wonderful if in a half hour we could overcome all our struggles of life. And they'd be done, gone, destroyed, killed everyone. But I believe as we walk this, this road of life, it's why we have what we call this armor here today. And it is because it is a daily walk with Jesus. That will lead us to a deeper walk with Jesus. I'm going to jump into verse 15 and, uh, and go ahead and read till the end of the chapter. And having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, 
with which you are, will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, the utterance may be given to me, that I may, may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, and in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you... Also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tysurus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, grace be to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. I'd like to uh, jump right into there, back at 15, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And if, if you look at this, the shoes shod, you might say, or your feet, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So what is the big deal about the gospel of peace? First, I'd like to take on the word preparation, because I believe that that is a prepared foundation. When I say a prepared foundation, I mean that the very foundation of our Christian walk should be a walk of peace. And that is why I believe we got these shoes here, if you can say it that way. And he says, because of this, he says, the gospel of peace. If we are going to fight a good fight, we have to be at peace with Jesus Christ. That does not mean that your life is not going to be chaotic. It does not mean that there's not going to be trials and tribulations. It does not mean that the world around you may be crumbling and falling apart as we would see it. I believe that this preparation of the gospel of peace gives us that deep understanding that no matter what comes our way, we have Jesus Christ on our side. That peace is something that the world cannot give. You can have all the money in the world. You can be taken care of financially. Your generation, the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. And still live a life of anxiety and misery. And if we don't have that deep peace of Jesus Christ in our heart. Then I believe our armor has a kink in it. I can say that. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That peace and that understanding that Jesus Christ, no matter what happens to me, no matter how bad they torture me, no matter how wonderful or how awful my physical life is or is not, the peace of Jesus Christ will give us the energy and the motivation to move forward with Christ. It comes from what he did for you and for me. It will lead us safely through all roads of life. I don't believe there's any road of life that will take you to a place where you cannot handle. If that peace is that ingrained in your heart. So the gospel of peace is not just something of a word phenomenon here, I guess you might say, on your feet. 
But I do believe it's, it's said that way for the reason that no matter what terrain you are going on, no matter what your life has thrown your way, no matter what God has asked you to walk through, the gospel of peace will go with you. Unashamedly, if you're at peace with Jesus Christ. The shoes and, and the just just for information here, the Roman soldiers, if I understand it right, had thick reinforced shoes. They actually had nails driven down through the soles to make like to make studded spikes for better grip. So I had to think about that. So these soldiers were out there with these thick reinforced shoes. Some of them said they were metal. Some of them said they were just a heavy, heavy leather. But these shoes would have nails driven down so they had firm foundation so they could actually dig in and not slip and fall. Because if you're on your backside, you're vulnerable to the enemy. If you were falling around, you got nowhere prosperous. And I had to think about that. Because the peace of God should take us anywhere because we have the traction and the foundation of Jesus Christ to walk on. In a sense, we've got them spikes spiritually ourselves, Because that foundation of Jesus Christ and the peace of Christ will give us the traction to take on whatever God has asked us to take on. Just like the Roman soldiers. What is your foundation? Do we have on shoes of the gospel of peace? Are we just living a life, good life, faking our way through, and then we wonder why we're sliding all the time? Do we actually have that peace that passes all understanding? Oh, the devil will try to disturb us. He'll try to send anxiety and worry. He'll try to do anything to trip us. Be aware of that. But I do believe... We have even better spikes, if I can say it like that, than the Roman soldiers did in their day. It's called our Lord Jesus Christ and the peace that goes with that. The shield of faith. And if I understand, this was no little shield. So these Roman soldiers had a shield that was roughly two foot by four foot high. And the neat thing about this shield of faith is they could, it protected the vital organs of your body. Yeah, you had the breastplate of righteousness, but this, this shield, and it actually, when they started into a fight, if I understand it right, and here again, I, this is research uh, by me on the internet, so um, I'm not a historian by nature, but anyway, when they would come together, they would fire lots of fiery darts at the enemy, and some of them were intended to actually do harm. But a lot of them were just intended, them fiery darts were intended to cause confusion and turmoil against the other side. And this shield of faith, as Paul states it, even, I guess, let me back up. The shield, it would even sometimes penetrate, one of them darts would penetrate the shield. But it did not get to the body. It would not injure your heart, your soul, your internal organs as to physically harm you. But it would cause chaos. And so a lot of times if this fiery dart got you in the shield, guys were tempted to drop their shield and turn and run. And that was the whole plan of firing lots of darts. They said they just bombard an army with fiery darts. 
So when I got thinking about this with this shield of faith, but they said if an army came up and you had enough guys across this front and you stood side by side with your shield, you created almost a wall to knock down them darts. One guy out there was dodging. So the shield of faith as we walk this life together, no matter what comes our way, our faith in Christ will protect us. Now, I understand faith is something hoped for and not always, you might say, seen, if I can say that as a definition. But the faith in Jesus Christ comes when we put our trust and our faith totally 100% sold out to Jesus Christ. If we stand together in our faith, it says we can quench the fiery darts of the devil. And I found that so intriguing because not only are you going to take a fiery dart and it, and it penetrate that shield, and then you're going to say, well, now what? And you're going to drop that shield and you're going to run. But when it comes spiritually speaking, our faith will actually quench that fiery dart of the wicked. He's going to keep firing them. He's not going to stop. Them fiery darts, if I can use it, say it this way, can be a lot of stuff. They can be imaginations, fears, lies. He will hurl anything at you to get to your heart. He will try to derail you of any tiny little thing or big thing. One of the things that came up numerous times is our imaginations, our feelings, and our thoughts. And I thought about that a little bit, and I thought, that is so true. Because so many times, when we get down in life, it's our imaginations and our feelings. And as we get drugged down, we've allowed one of them fiery darts to penetrate our shield of faith. The faith we have in Jesus Christ. And we've allowed it, in a sense, to drop and let us cause confusion in our life. Folks, Christ won the victory. He defeated the enemy. He'll quench that fiery dart. Are you willing to take your faith to battle for him? Moving on to the helmet of salvation. And a lot like the shield of faith, it protects our minds. And that's what I'd like us to think about is the, the gift of salvation. So we all know about salvation, I believe, here today. And I believe that, that God gave us that, that, that gift of salvation, that we can rest assured that our salvation can be election sure if we're walking with him. We don't have to have any doubts about whether Christ's death was enough for us. We are saved by grace, and we can be assured that God will triumph the battle. There's no questions. It's not a fact if I can go into battle and I am a better, whatever, speaker than you, or I can shoot in a real battle if I can shoot straighter than you, or I got a better fiery dart. No, 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 that's not the point. See, Jesus Christ defeated the devil. And now he's given you the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, and a helmet of salvation to reassure you that you will win if you put your faith and trust in him. It's already been done. Calvary, Jesus won the battle, and then he rose again. 
The devil loves to use discouragement. I would guess one of the biggest downfalls or the biggest ways to trip up people is discouragement. Because it brings us down and it opens up our faith and our life just slightly for one of those fiery darts. We don't have peace anymore if we're discouraged and frustrated with life. But I believe the helmet of salvation should give us an understanding that our minds are protected because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, a soldier would be crazy to go to war without a helmet. We know that. Absolute out of his mind. But we need to use our salvation as our helmet spiritually. We have to trust the truth of the scriptures and the truth that Christ has given us so that we can understand and walk with him. The sword of the spirit. If we are going to effectively use the sword of the spirit, we cannot regard the Bible as a good book or as a book of musicians. We have to regard the Word of God because it says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have to regard the Word of God as inspired truth and infallible truth to live by. See, a lot of times in life, I think a lot of people want the Bible to be a good book. They want to use terms like, well, the Bible has a lot of good principles, but... The Bible has a lot of good ideas, but we don't really have to live them all out. We can choose and pick what we want to live out. If you're going to choose and pick what you're going to live out, I believe you're headed for trouble. The Bible is inspired, infallible truth. The Bible was written by men that were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is in us today. To help us live that scripture out as a sword of the spirit. I believe that the best way to put the devil on the run is to by use the word of God. If we want the devil to flee, let's use the word of God on our side. We read about what Jesus in Matthew 4, Jesus and uh, when he was tempted in the, in the wilderness. And what did Jesus do? One of his first words, amen, brother. One of the first words he said is, it is written. He didn't say, I'm Jesus, and I'm good to go, and you flee. He said, it is written. He used the word of God. See, we fight so many battles on our own. But the word of God should give us the strength to live, to walk, to preach, to share the gospel, to live at peace. I found it so intriguing for the years I spent helping in boys club. We would argue and go around with things and this and that, and one of their things was homosexuality. And they would say, why is it so bad? That's just your Mennonite opinion. One day we sat down with the Holy Scriptures, and we spent twice as long in devotions going through what God said. We almost had zero problem after that. And I found it so intriguing. These were kids. But the word of God did way more than all the argument we had. And I believe that it's there for a reason. 
I believe the Holy Spirit should move us, prompt us, so that we can use the Word of God. I found a story by Rick Crandell. This happened in 1993 to a man named Terry Stout. Terry was a business manager of the psychiatric department of the Emory University Hospital in Atlanta. One fall morning, Terry was running a little late, but I'm sure led by the Lord, he passed up his regular slot in the parking lot. Terry decided to drive to the top floor of the parking garage so that he could look at the sky and enjoy the day for a moment or two. But when he got out of the car, he saw a woman. She was standing on a narrow beam that stuck out from the roof of the parking deck. There were only about two inches of steel between her and the pavement, nine floors below. Terry quietly sat down his bag and walked over to her. He asked her if he could help. She told him she wanted to be with Jesus. She said she was confused and had committed sins and never did anything right. Terry listened to her, and he talked to her about God's forgiveness and the possibility of enjoying peace and happiness if she put her faith in God. As they talked, a crowd began to gather, and among the newcomers was a psychiatrist. He joined Terry on speaking quietly with the girl. But the doctor's approach was psychiatry, and the woman wanted to talk about God, so Terry did most of the talking. He offered her a pen he was wearing. It had the words, there's hope on it, and it was a gift from him to her. He told her that Jesus would help fix her troubles and that they, they would pray together if she returned to the roof, and she did. There is power in the Word of God. There is power in the Holy Spirit if we allow it to miss our regular parking spot for Jesus Christ. So you ask the question, how do we always know? And I don't know if we always do, but I'm going to bring this to a close here today in verses 18 through 20. And Paul is talking there, and I'm going to paraphrase. He says, praying always with prayer and supplication. Do we start our days with a prayer asking God, what can we do for you today? See, prayer should be our lifeline. It does not mean when he says praying always that we spend all our day 24 hours a day kneeling beside our bed praying. But I believe we should be in a conscious state of God throughout our day. And we should humbly ask God and say, what can I do for you today? You've given me this armor. You've helped me walk this road. No matter if I'm running late, like this, this Terry was, on the top deck, what have you brought to me So that I can use the word of God for you. Prayer should be a natural constant part of our life. I believe so many times in life. We forget to ask God what we can do for him today. Tomorrow. Each and every day. Do we want that interruption? I told the Sunday school class here this morning. But I'll be honest, I didn't. Earlier this week, I uh, had a guy show up when I was leaving and well, I headed home, and I was already late for going home. And he wanted help being pulled out of a dirt road. And I had a bad attitude. I didn't want to help him. But God brought them there for a reason. We did get them pulled out. Lots of mud, lots of fun. But that's beside the point. Do I live my life so I don't have time to help? I believe if we live our life praying always with prayer and so that we can be like Paul says in verse 20, for I'm an ambassador in chains that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. God has called us here to worship him 
and to speak boldly for him. Prayer will help us use the armor of God as we walk this road together. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your, the scripture. We thank you for truth. We thank you for everything you've blessed us with. We thank you for salvation. And I just pray that we would use the word of God for our benefits to walk with you. We're not here alone, God. We know that you've given us the Holy Spirit to walk with us. We pray that we'd be open to what the Spirit has for us. That we we would use our lifeline of prayer to communicate with you on a daily basis and open our hearts for what you have for us. We thank you and praise you in your name. Amen. May God bless you.